on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. I'm probably one of probably less than a thousand sifus in the world really? that do Praying Mantis Kung Fu. And I'm ninth generation from Wong Long who founded Praying Mantis Kung Fu. Hey folks, before we get started today, I have written a book and it is a parable inspired by Viktor Frankl's masterpiece, Man's Search for Meaning. It is called The Stone Chiseler. It is about a young boy who finds himself in the most dire of circumstances, having to serve out the prison sentence for a crime that neither he nor his father committed. Yet, because his father is unable to serve out the sentence, he is cast as a young boy into the dreaded stone yards and it's there that he doesn't just chisel away at a boulder needlessly but he starts to chisel his own character from the inside out i'm really proud of this work and here's just a little sample of that the yardmaster was a pitiful man he was from a poor family of no standing he had always regarded himself as much more than he was He had grown up being picked upon by his contemporaries for his bulging belly and short stature. He had always wanted to be a soldier, but couldn't qualify for even the lowest rank. The stone yard served as a respite for all the anger and self-doubt the man held inside. To be the target of his fury was treacherous. One day he noticed the change in the boy's stone. Well, what do we have here? Does our little chiseler fancy himself a sculptor now? Tell me, boy. Are you an artisan? Forgive me, but I mistook you for the son of a thief, the son of a man so low that he would steal the bread of swine and then die of fear. So I guess that makes you the son of a lowly, cowardly swine thief. Yet here you are, without my permission, defacing my stone. The boy's face, already reddened by the sun and his efforts, turned a shade brighter. He continued with his work, paying no attention to the overseer. What is this that is forming in your rock, boy? It had damned well better not be me. The other chiselers began striking their stones with even less vigor than normal. They stretched their necks and slowed their breathing to hear what was transpiring. They knew the yardmaster to be brutal when he found a target of his ire. It was no secret he has had a problem with the boy since he first arrived. From the first day, he rationed the boy's water, taunted him needlessly, and seemed envious of the boy's obvious dignity he maintained in spite of his stature as a chiseler. It made matters worse that despite the large gap in their age, there was little to no gap in their height. Boy, speak now. What do you call your stone man? Who is this? Who have you decided to birth in my yard without my permission? Are you not aware that no one comes into my yard without my blessing? Look around you. Do you see any other prisoners so thoughtlessly damaging my stones? What makes you think that you, the sorry little smooth-faced son of a thief, can just do with my stone as you wish? The overseer seemed to get angrier. He looked about the yard. Get back to chiseling, you sorry bastards. This doesn't concern you. With that, each head snapped back in unison to their stones, and they recommenced work at once while still straining to listen to the exchange. Closer to the boy, his beard tickled the boy's ear as he spoke. The smell of dirt, sweat, and wine vinegar filled the boy's nostrils. Listen, boy, this is my yard. You are nothing but a cowardly son of a pig-bred thief. You aren't even worthy of my yard. You have no reason to exist. If my work were still done in the stench, you would find yourself on the rack for what you've done to my stone. Do you see all of these men in my yard? Do you? Look at them. The yardmaster placed his thumbs in his belt, spread his elbows out like chicken wings, and threw his head back. He circled the boy's stone, addressing the entire yard. This is my yard. 
I say who comes and who goes. Is this understood, you miserable bodies of excrement? The boy, neck bent, and now all but tapping the stone, surveyed the yard left to right, moving only his eyes while keeping his face directed at the stone. You are no different than any of them. You are nothing more than another chisel-slinging bastard on display for my entertainment. Your hammer swings for me and no one else. Should you dare so much as stand out among the other bastards, you will find yourself under the stone. I will invite another to peck away at your stone as if you never existed. The boy continued chiseling. His mind was full of rage. His father's echoed through his skull. My son, remember never to let another know your anger. Between action and reaction is space. Guard the space. Maintain steady at all times. Never let another see what hurts you on the inside. Then the overseer stormed away. Shortly after the boy saw him coming back, he noticed something swinging from the man's right hand. The boy kept chiseling, trying to seem as if he didn't notice. The other chiseler stopped as the overseer passed. He came to the boy, stopped and turned, saying nothing at first. The boy continued chiseling. He was now trembling. A tear made its way down his cheek. His body was numb. His head was swimming. It was all he could do to stay upright. In a deep, quiet voice, the overseer said, Turn around, you bastard of a pig thief. The boy put both his arms to his side, slowly turning around with his head down. Look at me, you little bastard. The yard fell silent. The silence fell upon the yard louder than any chiseling ever had. I said, look at me, you sorry bastard of a thief. The boy raised his head. The man clenched the large hammer in his hand. The boy immediately thought he would soon join his father and mother among the gods. With his lips quivering, he closed his eyes and prepared for the blow, hoping it would be swift and effective. Again, his father's face lay behind the lids of his eyes. He could see his father's face as clearly as if he stood right before him. Then the boy opened his eyes, straightened his spine, pulled back his shoulders, and looked the man squarely in the eyes. The overseer gritted his teeth, pulled back his arm, and swung just above the boy's head, laying waste to what once appeared to be a nose in the stone. The boy immediately fell to his knees. It was not by choice. His legs decided on their own accord to give in. No one is allowed in my yard without my inviting them, the overseer growled as he walked away. The boy turned and looked at the indention where the formation of a nose had once rested. He slowly ran his hand over it. He then walked to his hut and lay down weeping. The entire scene had not gone unnoticed by the other prisoners. The boy had not begged for mercy. The boy had not shouted. In what appeared to be the boy's final moments in the yard alive, he stood tall and resolved. The boy was no longer seen as just one of the chiselers creating something out of his stone. He became recognized as something The Stone Chiseler. The Kindle version is now available at Amazon.com with the audio and print version soon to follow. Hope you enjoy it. Brandon Jones, brother. Long time no see. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Well, it's so cool to have you on the show because and the, the fun thing about this podcast for me is like I get to meet all these cool people that I've never met before. Right. But then also it gives me a great excuse to reconnect with old <laughs> friends. And so I was looking through Facebook the other day and you were doing one of your, I guess it was one of your personal defense 
like right. uh, mm-hmm. instructions or, or something like that on Facebook. I'm like, why have I not had Brandon on the show to talk about Tyler Kung Fu and fitness? Oh, let me get my phone off to talk about Tyler Kung Fu and fitness and what you've got going on. I mean, this in every way fits into my mantra of improve always and always and health and wellness and, and then also entrepreneurship. I mean, you cover all of it. And the coolest thing, I mean, Brandon, you're the only guy that I probably know that makes their living in martial arts. That's true. And has for a long time. Long time. So here's where I think we should start this. Let's start right there. How did your love of martial arts begin and then just what has the journey look like that's taken you for I mean how long have you been doing this now since 1982 dude that's incredible <laughs> so all right and, and by the way so be, uh, uh, aside from Chuck Norris who also makes his living in martial arts yeah. so you're, you're kind of the only guy that I've really that I pay any attention to in this <laughs> regard so all right so how did that journey start man so it's it's a uh, a great, a great comparison you did there with with Chuck. He's, well, you kind of look like Chuck Norris. Dude. That's what everybody tells You're me. You're younger, but you kind of look like. Yeah, he's the man. He's <laughs> the man. So, of course, back in the '70s, David Carradine walking barefoot across yep. the sand in Kung Fu. My mom and I used to watch that all the time, and I think that sparked it. Yeah. That, and then, just growing up, and for whatever reason, I just had this this passion for Kung Fu or just martial arts. I didn't know that it was Kung Fu. I had this passion for martial arts. Then Chuck Norris hits the scene, and here's this guy that is just awesome and that I just really looked up to and then wanted to model everything that I could about him. Then I met my teacher, my kung fu teacher, who happened to be in Texas. He's from originally from D.C., and he happened to be in Texas visiting a family, doing a theater workshop. His, His passion was martial arts and theater. Uh, he worked Broadway and did a lot of things, but he was here visiting. And of all places, little Marshall, Texas, where I grew up, he came to visit, and I took this theater class. And he said, hey, you know, you should do Kung Fu with me. Well, his name is Raymond Fogg, and I never believed him. I said, ah, he's tricking. He doesn't know Kung Fu. And then next year, me and my buddy see him doing a demo at what they used to call Stagecoach Days in Marshall. I'm not sure if they still do it, but... He was doing a kung fu demo, and I said, whoa, that's Mr. Fogg, that's him. So we were like 11 at the time, Mm -hmm. ran up to him, started taking from right then. Really? I mean, man, just, and I just immersed myself in it. Yeah, so 11 years old. All right, so, and did did it just so happen, because you mentioned, you know, watching kung fu, and he happened to be, and what is is the actual term for him? Is he a kung fu master? Is that what it's, what's the term? For my teacher? Yeah. Yes, yeah. He's what's considered a grandmaster. So think in terms of a family. So you have a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. Okay. So basically, in the kung fu world, whenever you're a student and then you get students like me that makes my teacher a grandmaster got it or sorry a master so he's like a grandfather and then when my students get students then he becomes a grandmaster so it's over time it graduates like a family okay now this may be a silly question but you know considering there is a lineage there that you can trace Correct. how important is it in the world of kung fu that you know who your 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 family tree very is very important okay yeah right. that's like the credentials really that gives you credentials so many people have seen kung fu panda yeah they had all those little animals on there believe it or not those animals were all legit styles of kung fu except of course the panda okay but there's a praying mantis that's in kung fu panda that's the style that I do. It's a okay. very rare style. I'm probably one of probably less than a thousand sifus in the world really? that do Praying Manus Kung Fu. And I'm ninth generation from Wong Long who founded Praying Manus Kung Fu. Really? So it's unbelievable. So yeah, lineage means a lot. So you know your teacher, his teacher, his teacher, his teacher, and you work your way up. Okay. And so tell me about what in the heck praying mantis is what makes it kind of a niche it sounds like it's you said it's kind of a rare form it is what what sets it apart and just kind of fill me and this audience in on what 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 entails the praying mantis lineage sure of, of martial arts so as i mentioned with kung fu panda kung fu styles are actually modeled after the movements of animals Okay. So you have your tiger, your crane, your snake, all that's legit styles. Okay. So the Kung Fu Masters, 
we're talking, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, would watch these. They were monks already, and they would watch these animals during their meditation. They'd watch how a lion moved, how a tiger moved, how it would defend itself, what it would do. So the story is that Wang Long, who created the praying mantis system, would, was being defeated by his kung fu brothers. They were already all kung fu students in the Shaolin Temple or in various temples, and they would practice kung fu together. Well, they would have competitions, friendly competitions, and he was losing to his kung fu brothers all the time. Okay. So the legend is he's like, i got to figure out a way to get these guys. So he was out under a tree doing his meditation, noticed a praying mantis insect grappling with a cicada. And he watched how the praying mantis grabbed him, hooked him, wouldn't let him go, clung to him, and then, of course, devoured him. Ah. So he said, okay, I figured out how I could figure out how to, how to hook, how to grab, how to use my hands like a mantis. And then he started studying. He says, but the mantis has weak legs, has great hooking hands, but has weak legs. Okay. So what can I combine that? So then he started watching a monkey. How does a monkey hop? How does a monkey move? So really it's comprised of two different, one insect, one animal, mantis hands, monkey footwork. Really? So he combined that together. Okay. And so like a mantis fights, it's very in close. Mm -hmm. It uses a lot of grabs, a lot of joint locks, a lot of holds, and then it just takes them out. Very cool. Okay, now you said that all these guys were like monks mm -hmm. at first. So is martial arts is the the genesis of it as a form of meditation and kind of oneness with nature or was it a defense mechanism was it an offense like wh where did it come from and, and also and take that into just the mindfulness aspect of martial arts which i know has a lot to do with yes. the practice in general so just kind of like what why did it what was it originally for so one of the stories is kind of comical and i mean it may be true is the monks were whether they're uh, Taoist monks or Taoist monks okay. or whatever religion they were in, or not really religion, just a form of belief that they were studying, right. they would use these various exercises to stay awake. Okay. Okay. okay now that's this is kind of the funny as funny story. So they would be, they were building their bodies, as you mentioned, getting strong. They also knew they had to defend themselves against bandits and various people storming the temple, trying to steal from them, doing whatever. So they started training with each other learning self-defense and really i tell everybody kung fu or tai chi which is what i also do is like slow moving martial arts is really moving meditation and what i mean by that is you're having to think about the moves right for right, a while right. you have to think about the next move am i breathing properly am i moving properly am i holding my hands properly and then of course then it just becomes second nature you don't have to think about it again so it's is it stemmed in in religion i think it it was used to just hone your body and keep yeah. you mentally sharp. Yeah. Of course, I don't get into the religious aspect. That's not sure. who I am. Right. But my gosh, look at look at the awesomeness of it. Look yeah. at what you can the, the physical and the mental and, and right. the benefits you can get from it. Yeah. One of the things I've started recently. Have you ever heard of the five Tibetan rites by chance? I have. Okay. So. I was. I guess I first heard about it from this guy Brian Scott. He wrote this book called Reality Revolution. And he mentioned the five Tibetan rites, and it was first mentioned, I guess, in the West by some guy that had been traveling over, obviously, in the Far East, and he came across these monks mm -hmm. that were really youthful, and they, and they practiced this specific form of breathing exercise, these different moves right. called the five Tibetan rites. And, of course, there's actually six rites, but the sixth is to do with maintaining celibacy, in which I'm not interested in right. so, <laughs> as a married man. And so, but I now do the five Tibetan rites every single morning. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that really excited me about our conversation is because mm -hmm. I'm learning much more about uh, mindfulness, breath work, oh, yeah. you know, both from, the, from you know, uh, as forms of martial arts, the Tibetan rites, uh, Wim Hof, you know, it's, yes, it's, yes. It's so much more attention is being given to the physiological benefits of breath work and just movements. So, how have you found, and I've got so many questions, Brandon, I'm going to take this all over the place, just bear with me, but I know with Tai Chi, I've seen that as kind of a way to better, like you say, it's like mobile, or for lack of a better description, meditation. Mm -hmm. So what benefits can people expect when they start to use some of these practices as you've seen it? And by the way, 
it tends to help with like older people as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. So several ways to answer that. So first of all, let's, let's talk about mindfulness. Okay. I've had a lot of people say, well, what does that really even mean? The best description that I came about just on a personal journey is being very aware of my body mm-hmm. as an athlete. And you know, you were an athlete, you, you tend to notice things about your body more than the average person. You know, your knee hurts, but you know it's not really an injury. It's just tired, so you push through. Whereas if you have an injury, you're like, ah, that's an injury. So as athletes, you have that mindfulness already. So what Tai Chi does is it, or just breathing in general through the martial arts or various ways, it brings you more mindful. So as you learn to take that deep breath, we in Tai Chi, we breathe in through the nose. It warms and filters the air. And then you take it out through the mouth. And we visualize it circulating Mm -hmm. through the body and coming back. So it, that gives you a visual. I even have my students play a little mind thing. I say, okay, you guys close your eyes. Think about every time you breathe in, it's like heat, like red breathing in. When you breathe out, it's blue. It's cold and old air. You breathe in, you breathe out. So it gives them a mental mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah. So yeah. it becomes very mindful of just their breath. Yeah. We don't think about breathing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it becomes very mindful. And then the way we stand. So are we standing on one leg? Well, guess what? Now you're very mindful of all those muscles, all those stabilization muscles working to maintain your posture and balance. Mm-hmm. Now you understand your feet. I never knew I had muscles in my feet. I mean, that sounds silly, yeah. but you know what I mean? Absolutely. People don't understand that it's all connected from your toes all the way up into your neck. Right, right. So it really, and then you get strong. There's various postures where you're holding your hands up, you're looking up, you're standing on one leg, you're low in like a squat. Yeah. Holding that position for a long time. So then you get very strong. Yeah. What I call like a microwave workout from the inside out. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And that's one of the things that I'm learning that, you know, I've said this on this podcast many times before. The more I learn, the 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 less I realize I actually know. Yes, you know, it's like it's it's wading further, further out into the ocean. And one of the things that I love as I've started to, and one of the reasons I was, I was excited to talk to you today is that understanding the human body and the anatomy and learning those muscles that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. And, you, and it's it's interesting. So I recently had. You know, my left, behind my left knee, I started feeling some severe pain, and like I, it was like really slow movement. And I, and Jimlin was kind of laughing at me because I, I bragged that I never have aches and pains, even though I'm 47, I'm pushing 50, but I've been very blessed that I've, I'm taking care of myself and I don't have the aches and pains. But this was severe, and, I, and so she got in the bed with me the other night, and I had an ice pack in my pillow and my leg on a pillow. And I was like, look, you understand, this isn't just a little ache i know that this is something different now it turned out it was like jumper's knee which i had never heard of until i did all the research and realized mm-hmm. well i had just done a recent exercise of one-legged box jumps i've not you been go. doing but <laughs> i could tell and then one of the things too brandon that uh that i started doing during my meditation is and this may be completely goofy and i don't even think i read this it's just but i just started thinking about it. it's like i will speak to the muscles starting mm-hmm. down the ends of my toes and just at least think about everything just to, to match the my neurotransmitters with the muscle for a little bit to say, you know, I'm thankful for my knees. I'm thankful for your calf muscles. Yep. I expect certain performance out of you today, you know. And, yeah. And so <laughs> and so I, that's what I love about the idea of martial arts is that it, it puts you in such tune with your body because I, I, I think so many people – they they have this body, but it's kind of me with my car. As long as it turns on and I've changed the oil and it's got gas in that's it, all you need. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. But with your body, I want to have a better fundamental understanding of oh, yeah. of how it works. All right, so now just going back to just some of the cool geeking out on martial arts right. in general. <laughs> all right, tell me what some of the differences are. So we were talking about Joe Rogan before we before we started, yeah. and uh, Rogan's a big jujitsu guy, yeah. right? Okay, uh-huh. so. What's the difference between Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu, and why might one kind of, is there different origins and why might one decide Kung Fu and is karate mm-hmm. something completely separate? Just right. kind of educate me on just martial arts as a general term. So it's really like art. Okay. Meaning you have to, you have to really find what floats your boat so to speak you really got to find where your passion is so being a young kid I'd taken karate as a kid that was just kind of a little summer thing but then when I met my teacher 
I didn't really understand that he knew Kung Fu. I didn't know the difference. I, I, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do martial arts. Would If he had been a karate master, guess what? I would probably be doing karate right now. Right. But when he did Kung Fu, and I just immersed myself into it. So first of all, let me back up. Kung Fu is a Chinese martial art. It's the oldest martial art there is. All other arts derive from that, according, okay. according to history. Okay. So praying mantis is a lot of joint locks, a lot of up-close fighting. Think of as Western boxing, but involving grabs and elbows and knees and kicks and, okay. and throws. Jiu-Jitsu's expertise, obviously, is wrestling and being on the ground and rolling. And I love that stuff. I love all martial arts. I do. I've trained. I've had the privilege of training with so many masters and so many people across the world doing different martial arts. Kung Fu is just my thing. Got it. I just move like a bug, and that's just the way it is. That's what I've done. But so, but I run everything through that filter. So if I go, to, so I have a buddy who's a professional. He's he's a BJJ uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but he's also a kung fu master, and he trains a lot of fighters. I train with him, visit with him a lot, and, and we and we talk about the various things. And and but I but everything he shows me, I run it through my mantis filter, if that makes sense. How would I deal with that? How would I react to that? So we talk a lot about that. Same thing with karate and taekwondo. Taekwondo, their expertise is kicking, have to have a lot of space. Kung fu, we're about 40% kicks, or mantis anyway, about 40% kicks, about 60% hands. Okay. And we don't need a lot of space, very in-close fighters. So you then you take that style and you, you can you know, help people, help women if they're attacked. And what happens if this guy's already on them? What do they do? Right. So you teach them some techniques. And the women sometimes are not comfortable. I don't want to get on the ground. What happens if I fall on the ground? Then we teach them how not to fall. But then if you get down there, we teach them how to get out. Yeah. Okay. And deal with it too. Okay. And what was Bruce Lee? What, what did he do? What did he practice? Because he kind of created his own. So Bruce Lee had a basic uh, or his base in Wing Chun, which is Kung Fu. Okay. He, he there There's a huge popular series on Netflix called Ip Man or the movies Ip Man. Okay. And it's about Bruce Lee's teacher. Oh. But he was far a master way before Bruce Lee came into the scene. Okay. But anyway, Jet, but Bruce Lee learned from him Wing Chun. And then as Bruce Lee came to the States, he got it he got exposed to boxing, wrestling, judo. So in like all of us, he just loves martial arts. Yeah. So he trained with everybody yeah. and then kind of put together his own style, which is called Jeet Kune Do. Okay. But what people don't realize is it's based in Kung Fu, his love. And really before his death, if you look at some of his later interviews, he was circling back to his Kung Fu origin. Okay. He had, he had kind of broke away. He said, let's get away with, let's do away with the unnecessary stuff and stick to the stuff that's just, just pertains to fighting, you know, defending yourself. Right. But then later, before his death, he was getting talking about, I mean, of course, he got his degree in philosophy. Yeah. yeah and so he, he really understood the philosophy of it all. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think resonates with me as it relates to martial arts and guys like you. And, and as I've read about Bruce Lee, is there is a, a deep level of philosophical understanding of, of the mindfulness we've been talking about. It is truly, it's not just a brawler, hey, here's some tips and tricks on how to no. you know be a be a badass it's no. <laughs> like a very thoughtful and and it's using the body in a way that i find really really uh really cool and oh, yeah uh, you know it's, it's so and, and talking about that so if someone came in to you and they said look i because one of the things i talk about a lot on this pod, podcast is longevity mm-hmm. someone comes in and says here's the deal i'm in good shape i'm in decent shape and I'm just looking at all different things I can do. I've got mm-hmm. yoga, I've got CrossFit, I've got just whatever the case may be, fill in the blank. And I'm considering some martial arts as part of my protocol. Mm-hmm. What benefit is it to me just, I'm not I'm not gonna be entering any competitions. Okay. I'm not worried about self-defense necessarily. That's gonna be kind of an ancillary. This is more or less just for my health and longevity. What are some of the benefits that a person can expect by pursuing martial arts well first of all i'm going to say hey i'm going to suggest you do tai chi and kung fu okay i'm going to suggest you do tai chi to understand breath to start understand the breathing understanding the postures and teaching yourself to slow down yeah that's a huge that's probably my biggest obstacle to teach myself can i tell you something funny real quick you just prompted a thought so every tuesday morning 
I do guitar lessons, mm -hmm. and they're actually I, I stream them live on the YouTube channel with uh, a buddy of mine out in Lincoln, Nebraska, Tim Woosley, and he, that's what he's constantly telling me. Slow, <laughs> and we just had that conversation this morning during my lesson. He's like, "Just go slow," yeah. and he said the same thing. So anyway, you maybe was like, "Yeah." So I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Slowing down is very difficult. Well, I mean, that's even the Navy SEAL mantra: "Slow is smooth, smooth is fast." Yeah. So you learn to draw slowly. You learn to extend that weapon. Yeah. You do it slow, you're going to be able to do it fast. My teacher always told me, if I can hit you slow, I can hit you fast. Yeah. And so we learn to slow down. So I'm going to put a person in Tai Chi so they understand that. If Unless they just really aren't into that. Okay. Then I'm going to tell them Kung Fu is a longevity activity. Yes, we have testing and we have belt testing and things. However, you're not doing it really anymore to step into a ring. You want to have fitness you want to have fun. You want to have fellowship. Yeah. And that's what we have here at the school. And a, a good byproduct of that is you can protect yourself and at least get out of a situation. Right, right. And I got to believe that, like, as far as just agility and being remaining pliable, there's got to be some benefit there as well. Oh, definitely. Tai Chi and Kung Fu are one of the – like, they do all these case studies. I read lots of them. And they take Tai Chi – and the benefits of it and Kung Fu. And it is the one that will blend into all other things. So I learned to squat and move in Tai Chi. Well, guess what? Now I'm a better gardener. Mm -hmm. Now I can pick up, yeah. you know, pounds of sacrete or whatever and right. move it across my yard. Now I can lift. I tell the ladies, you know, as we lift, now I can put things up in my cabinet right. that I couldn't before. Right. So it's it's that aspect that, that, and then now on a Kung Fu side, now I'm more aware of my surroundings. Okay. You know, I'm learning in class how to be aware I got multiple attackers. Well, now I'm learning to walk to my car, be aware of what's going on around me, be aware of who's over here, who's over there. You go into a restaurant, I'm aware of who's talking who is in a heated conversation? Is this couple upset? Is this guy over by the door? Why is this guy standing by the door looking shady? You know, what's going on over here? So it's, it's, it's funny. I tell my clients all the time. It's a little bit being like James Bond. Yeah. It's where you walk into rooms, you scan, you figure out exits and everything. So just that aspect of it. And that's a whole other realm. Yeah. But just Kung Fu really does that for you. Well, and sitting here, we're in your, uh, in your studio which it's uh, the the cool thing about Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness at this point, man, it's a Tyler institution. You've been how long have you been here now? 1996. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I mean, that is crazy, and it's yeah. and it's so. I love the fact that it's kind of like old school. I mean, it kind of takes you back. Like this is like what you'd expect in Karate Kid, you know? Yeah. So strip center. Here's the here's the studio. What are people getting when they come here? I mean, what, for example, you mentioned the self-defense and understanding the awareness, which I think is so important in this day and age. So let's say that, again, I told you about the, the uh, hypothetical, just, hey, I'm in it for longevity. Mm -hmm. But let's say I'm somebody, I want to learn to better protect myself. Mm -hmm. I, you know, what can they learn at Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness? Well, for starters, we're going to, you mentioned the tradition. That's what, that's what praying man is. That's what Kung Fu is. I'm, I'm a very traditional teacher. I teach the the basics of Kung Fu, and then you bring it to today's time. How do we deal with a gun? How do we deal with somebody trying to harm us in that manner? Right. So we have all that. I, I can teach you how to disarm somebody, but I also want to teach you how I know that. I teach, And you learn that through the various forms, which is just a series of movements connected together one after the other. To get that in your body, in order to disarm somebody, you have to have all this already put in your body before you get to that so your body knows how to react got it you got to know how to stand so that you maintain your balance okay. you got to know how to grab so that your arm doesn't get broken mm -hmm. so all this stuff comes from practice through the forms so you're going to learn that you're going to learn to put that in there just through repetition okay. and then you're going to learn how to hold your hands how to hold your feet how to breathe gets yeah. back to the breath how do i stay breathing because if we're able to keep our body breathing then your mind isn't totally in a fight or flight mode you can kind of almost trick it yep yep and and i mean you were a football player you remember before that game man you're amped yep. mm -hmm. and you got to breathe a little bit mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and move yeah to get yourself in in that mindset you know it's it, that's the in james Nestor's book uh breath mm -hmm. that is the point he makes it's the one the one thing that we must i think it was in that book that 
he's like the one thing we all must have is breath, air. Yeah. It, you, you, you can kind of overcome pain, and let's say that you're going somewhere with a, you, know, you break a leg or whatever, but without air, you're done. <laughs> yeah. And maintaining that breathing and that calm, and then you know, uh, one of the things that I do, and I'd like to know kind of what your morning protocol is, or just your daily protocol for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, box breathing, which is, again, referring to the Navy SEALs, that's what they do. You know, the four counts in, hold it for four, out four, hold it for four. I've implemented that. And I can tell you that breath work has had such a profound impact just on, not just in that moment, Mm -hmm. but in preparing me for the rest of the day. Oh, man. You know, just having that consciousness. And it does, it almost like, it's going to sound so weird, Brandon, but (laughs) after I had started meditating for a while and doing some breath work, I noticed trees in a way I never had. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like your brain does just stop to take note of beauty, of just kind of just whatever's the textures. It's it's really cool. So, what are you doing to to prime your body and your mind on a, on the daily? Kind of take me through the especially someone that's so steeped in this uh, in, in such a deep and historical philosophy as as kung fu and the martial arts that you practice. What does your day look like whenever you're preparing? So with with the breath, you talked about the the in four and out four. So with Tai Chi and really with Kung Fu, instead of you count for four, hold it, and then let it really is we we breathe into a count of four okay and then breathe out to a count of four. Okay. To really slow it down. So you may be breathing for about four seconds, you're inhaling, and then you're exhaling for four seconds. So it's really not holding the breath necessarily. It's just keeping it fluid. So I do a lot of qigong, which is you talked about the, um, the remind me which said the four Tibetan, the five Tibetan rice, five Tibetan rice. Yes, yeah. yeah, my mind went blank. So it's it's really a lot like qigong. Qigong is very qigong is basically I'll put it in a very simple term. It's like tai chi without moving, okay, without without covering distance. Now you may move, but you're standing standing in one spot. Okay. For Qigong, so a lot of breathing exercises. A lot of the breath now that's popular, a lot of the breathing exercises are based on Qigong. Okay. So okay. it all stems, it all comes back to that. So I do a lot of Tai Chi. Of course, I'm, like you said, I'm blessed enough to do this for a living. Yeah. And so I'm able to do all my Tai Chi classes every week, do about four or four or five, five a week. And then we do about, I do about 16, 17 to 20 classes a week. Okay. of Tai Chi and Kung Fu combined. Wow. So I'm able to do that yeah. with the class. And I'm on personal training. I always got to do my Kung Fu forms to keep my keep myself sharp and crisp. I still, I still uh, run bleachers at the Gorman track. I love doing that just to get outside. And, of course, I lift with a little bit of weights just to stay toned yeah. and everything, stay strong. Yeah. And, uh, I, and when I go on vacation, I still work out. That's because if because now I get to work out on my own, you don't yeah. have to don't have to do it for other people, right. and and right. I love it. Yeah, you know one of the things you just mentioned there that I was listening to Peter Atia yesterday, and there's been more and more research showing the benefits for longevity in actual having strength. But yeah. there's there and it is a fine line, but it's more important to have strength versus larger muscles yes right yeah and one of the things about most of those that are with the exception of the one guy that was bruce lee's nemesis all the time that bulky guy yeah. i can't remember <laughs> what his name was but he was always kind of like the the nemesis to bruce lee that would show up and i think he showed up in a when he was really young he showed up in a, a van damme movie yeah yeah. Right? yeah he was the bad guy in that. <laughs> he was in, always in the blood bad sport guy. there you go <laughs> but there's but most of these guys are just incredibly lean but then you watch the strength that they have like to be able to break the bricks or Mm -hmm. to you know to just focus and break the board it's like this incredible strength on a pound for pound basis that it's i gotta believe that the longevity aspect of this correlates in that regard as well it does and then learning how to channel the waste into that punch yeah i mean i'm i'm not gonna slug it out with a 200 pound dude i'm just not i can't afford to do that so where do i have to i tell my students all the time you gotta have precision over power yeah i gotta hit him in certain points point in areas of his body so and then i get out of there yeah i'm not gonna hang out yeah okay let's talk about that because okay. i think that's kind of cool so let's say that i am out with my wife mm-hmm. and some big jackass just comes and mm-hmm. starts messing with me what is a move that other than run which i think that's what i'm supposed to do if it's a if guy can. That, that just just get out of there if just run can, yeah. that's a smart thing to do but let's say i gotta have a move 
what do I do to best defend myself? No weapons involved at this point. Just right. I, I want to get this guy to know, don't mess with me. What do I do? So um, now you got to realize that this, this can do some damage. Okay. Okay. But you, you, can, you can tailor it okay. to where you do the least amount or the maximum amount. So the palm is your best weapon. Okay. I like the palm. The re- reason, most people swing with their fist. Right. I have students who work in their ER physicians. They tell me two people come to the hospital in a fight, the winner and the loser. Yeah. The loser comes with a broken jaw. The winner comes with a broken hand. Yeah. So palms, okay. much better. Don't want to break my knuckles. So the palm is your best weapon. Having said that, it's a big guy. That palm is coming out. You're very quick. It's either going to hit the nose bust the nose which what does that do cloud his vision can't see hit the chin that's where it's a little more dangerous you hit the chin his neck's gonna pop back could cause a hangman's break so you got to be careful with that but it pops the neck back and it can knock them clean out okay clean wow. out see, it's, I never, it's, see, I've, it's interesting you say because i always thought about that because i have a weak wrist anyway i had surgery on it whenever i was in high school so i've always thought if i ever have to punch somebody i'm probably going to hurt my wrist more yeah. than that. so just the palm just to the nose yeah. Bah, just going right in there. Okay. Now, you know, you want to have practiced that. Yeah. But then understand, it may knock most people out. Yeah. But it may, bah, it may break his nose. And I mean, I've, I've fought guys who, they're mean. Right. The more pain you cause them, the better they get. Right. So right. that's a different breed. But when you hit somebody like that in the face, I mean, you react. I mean, you and I both have kids. You've been holding a baby and they accidentally bump your face. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, that's a baby's head. No. Yeah, yeah. So just think of that hitting you. And then if you're coming in with a palm with all you got. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So they cut, they pull a knife. Is there a move I need? Woo. Yeah, knives are much scarier than guns. Um, so with a knife, you gotta, you've got to you pretty much are going to have to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to get cut. Okay. And then you, you use, once you commit to attacking, you have to continue to attack until the threat is neutralized, until you okay. get knocked out or whatever. Disarming them, you're probably not going to be able to. It's, that's only in the movies. I mean, you can. I know lots of disarming techniques, but in the heat of it, when they're slashing and thrashing, I've tried it full speed. It's much more difficult oh, God. than it looks at on, on, in the movies. So you have to minimize the damage. You have to learn to turn your arms in so that your forearms are getting cut as opposed to where okay. the veins are. Makes sense. Tucking your chin, protecting your neck, keeping your body sideways so that your vital organs aren't exposed. Okay. Turning sideways, what we call blading yourself. And then you have to, again, precision over power. I've got to attack him in the eyes, take his eyesight away. I've got to hit him in the throat, cut his airway. Oh. I've got to take his knee out so he can't walk. Okay. Things like that is what's going to immobilize that. Okay. And then I got to think that in the, like you mentioned the heat of the moment, I've got to, if I'm someone that who can stay calm in that situation, I got to believe that's an advantage. Big too. advantage. I, mean, I don't know that I could hypothetically, I think, okay, I just try to breathe in and stay, but man, that's, well, that's where training takes over. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we're going to be scared to death, but with the training, you've done it so much. Yeah. That's where the training is going to take over. Okay. And that's where you just have to rely on your training. Okay. And your breathing and everything will be hooked together. But guess what? Until that moment, you've got years and years and years and years of practice. But then people say, well, what if I can't do Kung Fu for years and years? Then I guarantee within six weeks, you're going to see a massive change in your body and the way you think and the way you move, the way you react, the way you respond. And, and a funny story, when I was in high school, I learned very quickly, well, it only took one time, that I could not... I could no longer go to haunted houses. Really? You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so, you, go, so you go to haunted houses as kids. It's a natural and, reaction. Yeah, and, and so we were at the, the haunted house at the uh, State Fair in Louisiana. Okay. Because I lived in Marshall, so we're not, go, we go with a youth group. And we're going through there, and I've been doing kung fu for maybe a couple of years. And we're going through, and this is back in the day when they could grab you and stuff. And it, it's all black, pitch black. My girlfriend's behind me. I'm in the front, everybody's screaming, and this hand comes out and grabs me. Well, I react, and I throw the guy, and his feet go up. And we, he kicks the curtain, and the curtains come down, <laughs> and the walls come down, and the lights come on, and they shut it down. and get it. So I learned real quickly you can't. Well, see, and like, you know, uh, Cameron Poe in that 
that cinematic masterpiece Con Air, you know, he got convi- you know, he had to go to jail because he was technically a lethal weapon. So you probably got yourself banned from the haunted house. I did actually. There, Brandon Jones. <laughs> you know, yeah. So so kids, martial arts can have its its downside as well. That's true. Something you told me that I had no clue was a thing that I think is very cool was how. Was it the uh, was it Tai Chi or Kung Fu that was helping with Parkinson's patients that you're working with? Well, uh, Tai Chi, of course, can help with the breathe, the breathing and okay. the slow movement. Now, this is where my training kind of takes a different little side turn. So, growing up as a kid, I was best friends with a guy named Frankie McConnell, okay. good buddy of mine, and he's also a martial artist out in California. And his dad was George Foreman's personal photographer. Oh, wow. So, George Foreman from Marshall. Yep. So, guess what? Wherever George went, Mr. McConnell had to go because he's a personal photographer. So, guess what? He took us along. So, we would go in George Foreman's barn and watch him just train, and he would hit that bag. He had this chain that connected the top of his barn. He hooked that bag, and the whole barn rattled. <laughs> Ali even said he had never been hit by anything harder than that. Right. So, I, I, was, I was mesmerized by boxing, too. So, fast forward. I'm doing my Kung Fu training, had an opportunity to have a lot of buddies who were boxers, and I trained with them, and we did a lot of fitness, and I watched them. So I always enjoyed that type of workout. Came across what's called rock steady boxing when I was at this trade show, a martial arts trade show out in Vegas. Rock steady boxing. Started talking to them. They were this this new study coming along how they had helped Parkinson's patients, help these folks who have lost the mobility, mm-hmm. have lost the ability of mobility. Yeah. And they are this form of boxing is creating new neural pathways mm-hmm. that they can use understanding hand-eye coordination yeah, how yeah. to get the signal to the, so i just i was really mesmerized so i started studying it a friend of mine who is um, a neurologist dr lisk he contacted me and said hey i got these patients i really like you you know to turn them on to you and so i um collaborated with him a little bit we talked about it and then I went and got the training and so now I've been doing it since 19 and I've seen these people's lives completely change wow it's unbelievable it makes a lot of sense because I was reading where research has shown that like okay they're talking about the plasticity of the brain mm-hmm. and there was a some research that was done I can't remember the study exactly where they would have two different uh, uh sets uh, of experiment you know you know experimentees some would lift weights some would actually not lift weight but just go through the motion and some would just and i think it was like 30 minute exercises of like mm-hmm. curls bench press whatever and they would do a 30 minute exercise weights no weights just the motion and then one just the thought just would think of doing the exercise and the ones that just did the thinking, it was just neurological. I want to say their strength increases were something like 30%. Wow. And then saying, obviously, the greatest were those who were actually lifting the weights and then those going through the motion. But you, they actually proved that just exercising the neuropathway to the muscle yeah. by just imagining yourself. And so I got to believe that, that what you just said makes a lot of sense. And, oh, again, yeah. it goes into that ign- ign- initiating the neurological aspect of movement and form that Correct. makes the, the difference. Very Correct. cool. Very it's, cool. So we, I, I teach them how to do jabs, hooks, crosses, uppercuts, where you're talking about somebody that probably hasn't lifted their hands if they're, if they're further in their diagnosis. Now I've got, yeah. so it's all broken down in, in levels, levels one, two, or three. Right. Levels one meaning very high functioning, probably just diagnosed within six months to a year. Okay. Really very little outward signs right. that they have Parkinson's, unless you know what to look for. Phase two would be meaning a little bit more, maybe perhaps a little more shaking, a little more trembling, a little more um, stuttering in their stepping. Mm-hmm. Phase three, and of course it progresses. I've got some guys who came in as threes, and now they're twos, yeah. just because they couldn't, they, their, their brain wouldn't tell their arm to hit that bag, Right. and now they're doing it. Now, of course, they're still on their medicines. They're still following doctor's orders. They're doing everything the doctor's telling right. them. However, 
just the quality of life that they're getting back. And I've had one woman tell, tell me, she goes, you gave, well, not me, but this class gave me my husband back. Wow. So you talk about a ministry. She said before I, I, I had shifted into that aspect of uh, I had to be his mother. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult on a, on a wife. Sure. And she could, but now I've got my husband back. Wow. So that right there was worth it. Yeah. Nothing else happens. That one thing was worth doing the class. That's powerful. And that's, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I want to bring that up is because I want people to know that, you know, Tyler Kung Fu and fitness and what I know about you and through the history of this and martial arts in general mm-hmm. is it's not just for some, you know, the, like you make the movie about Ralph Macchio, the karate kid who's trying to overcome being the weak little kid that's getting picked right. on. But there's more to it than that. Yeah. It's it's you know for, it is a form of absolute exercise, mental awareness, longevity. There's so many benefits. Oh yeah. That you know that come along with martial arts, and that you can do right here at Tyler Kung Fu. And Fitness. Yeah, yeah. And and you know you mentioned Karate Kid. I think the reason I love that original movie so much, and the, and the one that it resonates with so many people, is it was the whole wax on wax off thing. It was more than just protecting yourself. Yeah. You know, he he brought Daniel San from being a squirmy little kid into yeah. at least having some confidence. Yeah. And so yeah, kung fu is, that permeates that whole confident building. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. Now, one of the things I want to talk about because. Uh, I deal with a lot or talk and deal with, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and rarely going back to where this conversation started. Do you find someone that from the time you're 11 years old, you find a passion Yeah. and in, and it's in martial arts, unless you're an actor, unless you're going to go on to competition. And even if you went to the Olympics, it's hard. You're probably not going to make your living unless you're right. an instructor of some sort. You have been able to match your passion and your purpose with your vocation. And that's one of the things that I constantly talk about. I swear I tell them, you know, we both have children. They, mm-hmm. they grew up together. I tell the girls all the time, girls, find something that you would do for free. Yes. And if you can get paid for it, that's then, a benefit. then you're wealthier than most, than yeah. probably 99% of the people you'll ever run into. Yep. Uh, how important, Brandon, has it been for you to stick to your guns and even in the the good times, the bad, to say, this is my journey. This is my this is my mission. I'm going to stay at stay in it. I mean, how have you maintained that? You know, I mean, you don't seem like a guy. If you had to go like my past, if you had to go sell real estate tomorrow, I think you'd be miserable. You know, I would. <laughs> I, 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 I tell my wife all the time, I haven't had a real job in 25 years. I say the same thing, man. <laughs> I say the same thing. Yeah, and so that's what carries me through. In the comments, like the woman tell me, you, you gave me my husband back. Yeah, things like that really fuel your fire. Now, of course, some of my sometimes my days are 15 hours long. Yeah. Yes, it gets tiring. And is it more tiring now than when I was 35? Probably, you know, but it's, it's, it's still a passion. It's still what I love to do. And, and every now and then when I get tired or whatever, I'm like, wait a minute, dude, you're doing what nobody else or very few people get to do, Yeah, get to, get to earn a living at it. Yeah. And that's one of the things. So I, one of my favorite books of all time, I mention almost every episode these days, is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It was the inspiration for a book that I, uh, that I have coming out here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what Viktor Frankl, who actually was taken away to the Nazi concentration camps, he was actually in one of the death camps, he was in Auschwitz, he should not have been alive. And he created this idea of logotherapy, which logo it actually translates to meaning and finding meaning and purpose in your life, in your moments, no matter how bad, the good, the bad. And we both, you know, we, we know we've dealt with struggles and we all do. Mm-hmm. And it's finding it's not life happening to you. It's your life and it's happening. So take responsibility for your actions. And in that moment, and when you find that meaning, then you know, it sounds to me like, like Nietzsche said, he who has a big enough why can endure almost any how. Yeah. And when you know what your why is, we you know what your purpose is, then, you know, you can be a professional kung fu yeah. master, <laughs> you know, and make a living in spite of the 15 hour days and just the, uh, the challenges that it presents. So kudos, man. I, I admire the heck out of that. Yeah. It's, it's such a blessing from God. I mean, I succeeded in spite of myself yeah and you Don't know we all <laughs> yeah and and you know you so my kung fu teacher 
way back when said, hey, you know, you ought to look at opening up a school. Well, he never, my teacher never did it act as his own living. I mean, he had other jobs. Yeah. And so for me to conceive that you can do that full time, I couldn't conceive it. I couldn't yeah. see it. So my buddy John Chang and I grew up together, and he's a physician out in California, and he was seeing other martial artists out there make a living at it. And he calls me, and he goes, I think you can do this, man. He goes, here. So we kind of got a game plan and, and, and a lot of support from family and spouse and everybody and, and getting it out there. And it's, it's, it's the, those, and I had a, I had a client one time tell me this was early on when I first opened the school, I was training him one day and he was a, a physician also. And the only reason I mentioned that he's a physician is, is he had a different insight to things. And he told me, he said, you, he goes, I can tell you're doing what God called you to do. Mm. And that's really when I first opened the business, and that really has struck with me. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. And so you, what was that movie, Chariots of Fire, when he yep. said, as he runs, he feels God's presence? Yeah. When I'm teaching Kung Fu or when I'm doing it personally, I'm in God's presence. Wow. I feel that. There's only other thing you mentioned to write. The only other thing I feel that way is when I'm writing as well. So yeah. you know that feeling. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, talk about I, – I, I didn't know that until we talked on the phone the other day that you are writing now and you're writing some children's books or teen books, right? Yeah, yeah Talk yeah. about those. Tell us about those. So that's another 25-year journey. Okay. So, you know, obviously it's martial arts related. Yeah. So it is, it's just, a, in a nutshell, it's a dog who is a, a spy and he's a kung fu master. Okay. So it's, um, I'm very fortunate. I have a, a literary agent at a, at a writer's house, a big literary agent. So blessed that God turned me on to him and he's working with me on some revisions so that he can then sell the book to publishers. Mm -hmm. So if it was sold right now, it's still two years away from being in the bookstore. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just that long process, yep. as you know, but it's, it's just been a wonderful journey. And so it's uh, it's a dog who through genetically testing by the CIA was created to be the super soldier dog. And then the bad guys find out. And then one of the agents is killed. And then the, the dog has to escape and meets this 12 year old boy who happens to be the son of one of the CIA agents. And then he helps develop this dog. And then the bad guys come after him. There's a team of assassin ninja cats that are after him. So it's, it's of all, course it's the awesome. cats are the bad. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Any listeners, if you're cat people out there, no, cats <laughs> are the bad guys, but they're cool bad guys. They're ninjas. <laughs> okay. Cause of course. If, if there was any animal, that's going to be a ninja. A cat a would cat be, a, would be a ninja. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, very cool. And just as a question, what is a ninja? I mean, I know it's an, I know it's like an assassin. It's like more of a, uh, but that's something I didn't even ask you about. What, tell me just a little bit of a history on ninjas. That's for my curiosity. So that's Japanese. Okay. And it's the art of ninjutsu. Okay. So it's really, it's, it, it is a fighting art, Okay. but it's really more about stealth. It's, it's a combat. Got it. It's more about, it's more about, in a way, kind of like our special ops. I was about to say, so that's like uh, Japanese special forces type deal, but from long, long way ago. Way back. Okay. Way back. And you know, they, were, they would go be sent in to kill, you know, shoguns. They would be yeah. sent in to kill... They were assassins. They were okay. sent in to kill. And, you know, Hollywood has kind of made good good ninjas, bad ninjas. Right. Just from what I've read, typically the history was they were pretty all much bad. Okay. And, okay. Uh, so it's so, I mean, I figured if I'm going to have bad guys, they're going to be cats, they're going to be ninjas too. There you go. All right. Well, Brandon, tell us, tell everybody where they can reach you. If they have any interest in learning some of the you know, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, self-defense, you know, uh, anything plug Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness, man. I want to help. You've taken your time to give me an sure. education on martial arts. The least I could do is plug this incredible school that you have. Well, man. thank you. Well, we've been here since 96, so we're the longest martial arts school here in town. Uh, what a blessing. So we have a YouTube channel that we, you know, show forms and self-defense techniques so everybody can tap into Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness YouTube channel. Okay. Of course, we're on Facebook, and I put a lot of videos on there. Just find us at Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness on okay. Facebook. And then we're, we're right here on 5th Street across from Posados. Yep. And I tell most everybody, most everybody knows where Posados is. Right. And it's still funny. I've been here 25 years, and people have said, well, I didn't know where you were. So, I mean, you, you never get over that. Right, right. But that's where we are. And we, we train, you know, uh, we have classes four days a week. We have Tai Chi, kickbox, I mean, not kickboxing, but rock steady boxing, and then the Kung Fu class. Awesome. Brandon, this has been every bit as enlightening and as fun as I thought it would. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate thank you, it, man. man. So good to catch up. And if you're listening on the podcast, please 
don't forget to check out Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness. I will let I'll put all this in the show notes as far as the YouTube channel and everything. And if you happen to be watching on the YouTube channel, thank you. Please click subscribe. Please leave some comments. If you have any questions about martial arts, anything for Brandon, put it in the comment section. And until I see you again, Brandon, thank you. Continue to improve always and always. I'm Jason Wright, and I am out. Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Hey, go out to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of The Stone Chiseler right now. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Also, if you would, please go out to Instagram and follow me at Jason Wright Now. Also, don't forget, go to JasonWrightNow.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter, The Vitruvian Letter. That is a repository of where I lay out all the things that I'm trying to do to improve Always in all ways, and I do hope you will be a part of that. Until we are together again, go crush it, and remember, improve always in all ways. I'm Jason, and I'm out.